Stop me if you've heard this before, but Ohio State wins a football game in Ann Arbor. Happy hump day. Good Wednesday. Welcome back to the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. I'm your show host, Kyle Lamb. Okay, it wasn't exactly a football game, but it was a game of basketball played a lot like football. But Ohio State was able to go up to Ann Arbor and win a huge game on the road against rival Michigan in a battle of two teams that were playing very similarly, trying to dig themselves out of a big hole. But Ohio State, the road team, was able to do it. That was a big, big, big time win for Ohio State. We'll discuss that coming up here in just a few minutes on the podcast. Speaking of news coming from Michigan on Tuesday, Mark D'Antonio is out at Michigan State. We'll discuss what that means for the Big Ten and also the Michigan State program. Will Luke Bickle become the next head coach at Michigan State? I'll give my thoughts on that coming up as well. Locked on Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State football basketball podcast. Please find and follow us on the platform of your choice if you have not done so already. Make sure you tell a friend, anybody you know that might want to listen to Ohio State Buckeyes talk five days a week. Spread the good cheer. Tell them about the podcast and where to find us. We're on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply say, play the Locked On Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Find me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Find the show at Locked On Buckeye. We'll be right back to discuss Ohio State's win against Michigan next. Let's get right down to brass tacks, okay? Ohio State, a 61-58 win at Michigan. Great win for Ohio State. Not pretty, not aesthetically pleasing, but a great win. I don't, I, I'm not going to have a lot of tolerance today for the that was bad offensive basketball takes. And here's why. Jay Billis said it best in the, in the middle of the second half when he said, there are going to be people that look at the score, see the low scoring, and say this is bad offensive basketball. But that game was extremely physical. I have not seen a game allow that much holding and grabbing and hacking and contact on offensive sets go go without being called from start to finish in a long, long time. I'm not even exaggerating when I say probably 75 or 80% of the times that Ohio State had a shot attempt within five feet of the rim, they were probably fouled. It didn't go called most of the time. But 75 or 80% of the time they were there, I would estimate that they were fouled. And it's not just that Michigan was getting away with calls. Ohio State was getting a lot. I would say on the other end of the court, Ohio State was getting away with a lot more off the ball. Michigan got away with a lot of hacks on shot attempts. Ohio State was clutching and grabbing and holding on screens and cutting away from the ball. But both teams got away with a lot. But to sit there and say, well, Ohio State played another bad offensive game, I don't think that is really accurate. First and foremost, the big takeaway from this game, this should please every Ohio State basketball fan listening to the podcast, okay? Eight turnovers for Ohio State. That is 12% of the possessions that Ohio State had. That is the single best game Ohio State has had the entire year as far as percentage of possessions not turning it over. So that right there is a big step in the right direction, especially coming off a game against Indiana where Ohio State turned the ball over just 16% of the possessions. 
which had been the best performance they had had since December 7th against Penn State. You remember that 30-point win that we talked about? So that right there, two straight games, Ohio State has improved taking care of the basketball, and that right there is giving them better looks. But I thought running the offense against Michigan was pretty good, with with the exception of the Dwayne Washington shot selection, which I'm going to talk about in a minute because that's that's something I want to address. I don't want to pick on Dwayne because Washington is their most talented offensive scorer, but Ohio State needs better decision-making from him. But with the exception of some of the shots that Washington took, and it wasn't just Washington, Walker took a couple off-balance runners that were ill-advised. Luther Muhammad took a couple. It's not that Washington is the only one that took some bad shots, but I thought for the most part, Ohio State ran some great sets. Their cutting and screening away from the ball was very good. Their passing continues to be better. It wasn't as good as it was against Indiana, but it was good this game. I think there are some very, very good signs you're seeing from Ohio State right now, despite the absence of DJ Carton. And I really think in situations like this where you lose a player like Carton, it can really rejuvenate a team because the team rallies behind it. They regroup. They're playing for one another. They're playing for their uniform. They're playing for their schools, their fans. And I sense that that's happening right now. Ohio State is on a three-game win streak. They have another big one coming up against Wisconsin on Sunday. We'll preview that game later this week as I do a crossover episode with Asher Lowe, host of Locked on Badgers. But Ohio State is gaining momentum now. They're, they're getting their confidence back, and their belief in the system is returning. And that's that's as, as dangerous for opponents as anything, is when a team starts to believe in itself. And Ohio State didn't believe in itself there for a while. I know there's a lot of hand-wringing over some of the losses and the, the, game that they, the games that they did lose. I, I saw it on Twitter again, you know, last night. I saw some people saying, yeah, but they, they lost some games that they, should have, they shouldn't have lost. Well, that's true, but let's not phrase it that they lost games badly or lost to bad teams because every single game that they have, they have seven losses right now. Every single one of them have come to teams that would be in the NCAA tournament right now. Every single one of them are in the top 50 of both Pomeroy and more importantly, the NCAA net rankings, which is the official sorting tool used by the NCAA men's basketball selection committee. That is the important thing right there. Every single loss that Ohio State has is considered a Category 1 or a Category 2 loss, which means it's considered a quality loss. So Ohio State is in really, really good shape as far as the resume is concerned. Every single team that they have lost to is a quality team. This Big Ten, it is crazy good. It happened again last night. Penn State goes on the road, beats Michigan State at Breslin Center. This league from top to bottom, I'm telling you, 10 teams would be in the NCAA for sure if the season ended today. And 11-team Minnesota is in many, many bracket projections. Not every single one, but most of them. And then Purdue is still in striking distance. If they got hot, they could sneak in the, uh, the tournament as well. So Ohio State is in a, I think, the craziest, deep, deepest league I've seen, at least since the Big East in maybe 2009. That's at least 10 years, maybe longer. You could make a case, this is the deepest Big Ten we have seen. But Ohio State, they're getting their confidence back. The losses they've had, some of them they shouldn't have lost. Look, they should have won Minnesota at home. They should have won Wisconsin at home. 
you could argue that maybe they should have beat Indiana on the road. They certainly had chances there. It's not that they haven't let games slip away, but you just have to consider the competition. But I, I liked what I saw from Ohio State. I thought Caleb Wesson played his best game of the season, or at least the best game he's played in a while. He did a really good job inside and out against John Teske and Austin Davis, the bigs for Michigan. He was, when, when Ohio State started off slowly and couldn't get anything going, Caleb Wesson single-handedly put Ohio State on his back there early in the game and really got them going. He played a great game. Uh, again, I thought the offensive movement was pretty good. C.J. Walker took good care of the basketball, had a bunch of terrific decisions with the ball to get them into set, some sets. That pass he had around the screen to let Justin Ahrens step into his shot and get a three-pointer there in the first half. That was a beautiful basketball play. Ohio State, more importantly, played really, really good defense, first-shot defense. The the offensive rebounding, or the defensive rebounding for Ohio State, offensive rebounding for Michigan, was it left a lot to be desired. Let's just put it that way. But Ohio State's first-shot defense, really, really good in this game. They only allowed an adjusted defensive possession, uh, defensive efficiency of 82 points per 100 possessions when you account for uh, Michigan's offense. So really good defensive performance by Ohio State. Good, not great offensive performance, but again, given the physicality of this game, you have to like it. It's, it's a building block, taking care of the basketball, getting good looks, good shots. Yeah, they didn't hit all of them, but I thought in this particular game, the biggest culprit was just getting hammered around the rim and not getting calls. And again, it's it's not just that Ohio State was getting screwed because Michigan was getting grabbed and clutched away from the ball on the other end of the court. So it's not that Ohio State was getting screwed by the officials, but you just have to take that into account when you're judging the offensive performance. Now, as far as Dwayne Washington, I mentioned him earlier. Washington is the key to this team, especially forever how... for how long DJ Carton will be out. And you certainly have to hope he'll be back before the end of the season. We'll see what happens with that, but they really need Dwayne Washington to score, but he's got to do it making better decisions with the basketball because there were at least two times in this game out of set plays. He just dribbled around for six to eight seconds and then took a contested shot. He took a contested shot in transition on a two on three break and Chris Holtman yelled at him for that one. Uh, he dribbled around a couple times, took contested shots on three-pointers on you know with zero passes on the possession. Uh, he tried to force the issue at the rim a couple times, uh, taking wild runners. He needs to settle down. He is their most talented scorer. You can't tell him to stop shooting because they need him to shoot. He's a really good player, and, and if he ever figures it out, and gets his shot selection to the point where he's making good decisions with the ball, then Ohio State goes to another level, I think, because he is a talented offensive player. And look, I know there were some people saying, well, he needs to take shots because Ohio State's limited. Well, I will take exception to the limited because, again, this is a top 20 offensive basketball team in terms of overall adjusted offensive efficiency. So I don't consider them limited he is their best offensive player. He's their most skilled offensive player. But that doesn't mean you take bad shots. They took great shots against Indiana. 
and they were rewarded with one of their most efficient offensive games they've had in, in a couple months. So you can be smart with the basketball, take good shots, penetrate and pass and get second and third looks, reverse the ball. You can be limited and still have good offense. And I don't think Ohio State is limited. There are a lot of teams out there that would love to have Ohio State's offensive personnel. Because in a game, in a season where college basketball has had such low offensive efficiency all across the board, it's not just Ohio State. Again, Ohio State is top 20 in the country in offensive efficiency. They're not limited, relatively speaking. But you need better shots from a guy like Dwayne Washington. And he hit a big three, that that go-ahead three inside of a minute. That's the kind of shots that Ohio State needs him to take. So I'm not saying don't shoot the ball, but they need more consistency from Washington. If he ever learns what a good shot is within the framework of the offense, and that's a subjective term, on a given shot, any any you could take 10 people and five could say it's a good shot, five people say it's a bad shot. There's some subjectivity to this debate, but I don't think he's taking a lot of quality shots lately. I think Chris Holtman, judging by his reaction on some of those, probably agrees with me on that. But if he ever figures it out, and I think he will at some point, and he just settles down and gets within the offense, hey, look, they're dangerous. Dwayne Washington is dangerous. I think he just needs to hold down the fort. He'll get hot at some point. I'm not worried about him missing shots. I am worried about Luther Muhammad and his missing shots because I, I think he has lost his confidence and his shot has become very mechanical again. He's trying to aim it. Okay, early in the year, Muhammad was going into a shot with confidence and he, he was very smooth. He had gotten rid of the hitch, but it's back now. He's It's in his head and I think he needs to start hitting shots because he's lost his confidence. Dwayne Washington, I'm not worried about. At some point, Dwayne Washington is going to go uh, five for six from three-point range. He's going to go off for 23 points. And the next game, we're going to see him do it again. He's going to get hot at some point in the season. So I don't worry about him struggling with confidence. It's going to come, but he has to not press. He can't start taking wild shots. And that's hurting Ohio State right now, and that's hurting their consistency. But it can turn around in a hurry. They've won thir- three in a row now. And with this Big Ten, with there being so many landmines, you got to keep trying to, to steal wins. And this is an opportunity coming up on Sunday on the road against a Wisconsin team that's a little bit vulnerable right now with Kobe King having transferred. They're a little bit up and down lately. But there's an opportunity to go steal a win on the road. And that's what Ohio State needs to be thinking. Because if they come out of this week with road wins at Michigan and at Wisconsin, then the season complexion has changed again. Because then you're looking at a four-game win streak, and you're looking at that momentum back for Ohio State. So this is a big win, I think. Uh, Definitely a big win against Michigan. Big game coming up this weekend against Wisconsin. We'll talk more Ohio State basketball throughout the week as we preview the Buckeyes and Badgers coming up this weekend. A little bit of football news. Mark D'Antonio out at Michigan State I mentioned at the top of the show. We'll discuss what that means for Ohio State in the Big Ten coming up next. Locked On Buckeyes podcast is doing big things. The Locked On Podcast Network doing even bigger things. You may not know the Locked On Buckeyes is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Buckeye fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On Buckeyes gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners in Columbus and the state of Ohio. Not just any podcast listener, 
but a Locked On podcast listener. Reach Buckeye fans everywhere, especially locally. If your company wants to connect with Ohio State fans, a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team to achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you right away. In a radical but not totally unsurprising change on Tuesday in the college football world, in the Big Ten world, the Big Ten East Division world, Mark D'Antonio announced he is stepping down from head coach at Michigan State University after 11 seasons with the Spartans. Look, this is not um, – look, I don't think anybody uh, thought that it was a sure thing he was going to survive beyond this season or even next season. But um, still, this is quite a shocking uh, turn of events for a Michigan State program that we, we've all kind of seen it coming. They've been slowly declining, degrading, kind of sinking to the bottom of the Big East standings, the Big Ten East, I should say. I think that this is a necessary change for Michigan State. I don't know if it was his call or if Michigan State pushed him out or it was a mutual decision. It feels like it was a mutual decision. That's something that's probably been in the works behind the scenes for the last couple of weeks or couple of months. But I think it's something that Michigan State needs. Now, I know there are a lot of other things out there. Uh, there's the lawsuit going on with the former assistant coach. I think that's a bunch of rubbish myself, but who knows if it's true. I know he's he and his attorneys are making some allegations toward D'Antonio about what's gone on in the program. There's an ugly side, certainly, to what's going on off the field at Michigan State. But when push comes to shove, it's still a, a program that's had a lot of success and it's an interesting job. So that begs the question, is it a job that would be sought out by Luke Bickle? Now, Luke has a lot going for him at Cincinnati. Uh, first and foremost, Cincinnati is paying him pretty fairly right now. With the raise that he received this past fall, I, I saw his salary is, is over $2 million. I think $2.4 million is the number I read. So Cincinnati is doing their part to make a commitment to him and to the program. That's the good news, and and I have heard, you know, Luke is not a guy that's looking for another job. He and his his wife are apparently very happy there at Cincinnati. They're very happy and content to raise their family down there at UC. But that being said, money still talks. And although Cincinnati is paying him handsomely and he might not be in a rush to leave, there are some jobs you have to listen, and I think Michigan State is, is a Big Ten job that is going to be of interest to him. I will tell you this. I have no idea if he intends to take the job, but I have heard that Michigan State has already indicated he is their guy should he want the job. And so if he decides that Michigan State is a job he wants to pursue, it is his to take. Like I know Pat Narduzzi has been thrown out there as possibly returning to Michigan State as head coach, uh, but I think he's their secondary candidate. I think Luke Vickle is the guy that they would like. If he wants the job, I think it's his. Now, will he take it? That's another story. If, if he leaves, then Marcus Freeman probably takes over at Cincinnati. But I think it is a job that Luke Vickle is at least interested in, 
And I think it's a job he will consider because at minimum, he's probably going to get a million dollar raise or very close to it. And that, that money, that's not nothing. And I know some people have said, well, he's better off at Cincinnati, but I don't even know if that's the case. Look, you can go to Michigan State. You could lose one time to Ohio State and potentially still get in the college football playoff or lose one time to anybody and get in the college football playoff. They've already done it once. At Cincinnati, look, here's, here's the, the plain truth. You can go undefeated at Cincinnati, but you're probably not snipping the college football playoff. And the downside is if you have even one bad season, let's say you go five and six or six and five or something and don't make a bowl game or make a really bad bowl game, you may crush your momentum at having a chance at getting another primetime job. And Cincinnati may keep you and you may make a couple million dollars a year and you might be okay with that. But if you had any aspirations of moving up ever, you don't have a lot of wiggle room for failure there at a job like Cincinnati. That's why you see so many coaches like Mike Norvell did at Memphis. So many coaches, when they are the next hot thing in the coaching circles, they jump to the next big move because you have to strike when the iron is hot because you can't stay hot for very long. I mean, Shaka Smart is probably a good example in basketball. He struck when the iron is hot. He got himself at a gig at Texas, and he's not working out at Texas. He's been a disappointment there. But if he had stayed at VCU and they had the, had the same kind of program trajectory where they just didn't stay hot and stay relevant, he wouldn't have a chance now to move up. And that's why I think you have to look at taking these kind of jobs when they happen because, yeah, you might be able to continue to win at the program you're at, but you always run the risk of having one or two bad seasons and then you've ruined your value. So I, I, I'm i not saying Luke is going to take the Michigan State job, but I think it's one he's got to look at. I really do. I, I think that there is a danger despite the uh, the perception and belief that he is going to continue to win at Cincinnati. And I believe, I totally believe that's true. I just think there's a danger of having even one or two bad seasons. And all of a sudden you don't have a chance to move up and you could have made a lot more money somewhere else. And if look, money doesn't have to be the motivating factor here. Maybe he's content making $2 million a year with Cincinnati. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it has to be at least in your mind has to be a consideration. So I'm interested to see what he does Michigan State is an interesting position now because you obviously have Ohio State is at the top. Penn State is playing really well. You have Maryland coming on strong. Rutgers with Greg Schiano is an interesting case to follow. Will they move up into the middle of the Big Ten East? Indiana is in a very good position as a competitive program. And Michigan is Michigan. Normal third place division winners, right? Uh, third place. I'd like to see them wear the hats. Third place champion of the Big Ten East. But you have a very, very strong division from top to bottom. And so Michigan State has to get this higher right because if they don't, they could very easily not just fall behind where they're already at, you know, behind Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, but they could fall behind Maryland, Indiana, and Rutgers. You know, there's there's a lot of there's not a lot of prox or there's a lot of proximity now with those programs. They're very, very close to one another. So Michigan State could find itself at the very bottom of this division if it doesn't get this higher right. As far as Ohio State, look, Mike, Mark Antonio teams have been thorns in Ohio State's side for many, many years. Now, the last few years, they've been tailing off not as much of a thorn to the Buckeyes' side. But I think a lot of Ohio State fans, even though they some of you like D'Antonio a lot still, you're kind of thinking to yourselves, 
ah, man, I'm glad he's gone, right? Because uh, that has been, no matter how many disappointing seasons they've had recently, that's still a program you look at on the schedule before every season and you say, man, I am not looking forward to that game right there. And with him gone, that certainly changes the complexion of the program. So we'll see what happens with his replacement. And if it is Luke Fickle, I think Fickle, I stand behind what I said earlier. I I think Fickle gets the job if he wants it. Now, whether or not he takes it is another matter, but I think it will be his to take. So will Luke Fickle return to the Big Ten? We shall wait and see. It certainly be an interesting storyline since D'Antonio went from Ohio State defensive coordinator to Cincinnati head coach to Michigan State head coach. Will Luke Fickle follow in the same path? That would be an interesting storyline to watch. So Mark D'Antonio is out, longtime head coach for Michigan State. We'll find out probably in the coming days or weeks. Maybe we'll get a better feel for if this was truly a mutual decision or if he might have been forced out. Who knows what happened there? But Mark D'Antonio is no longer the head coach at Michigan State. And eh, it'll be interesting the coming days to see if Luke Fickle takes the job or not. So that is going to do it for today. Ohio State basketball, obviously the topic du jour coming up this week. As I said, they are on the road again on Sunday at Wisconsin. We will preview that game later this week. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast, your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. Find us, follow us on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. If you are a business owner and would like to sponsor Locked On Buckeyes, please text advertising to 33777. Find me on Twitter at KYAM8. Find the show at Locked On Buckeye. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Thanks for listening, everybody.